Okay, Jim, Jim, testing. Yes, can you hear me? No. Yeah, no. You got to go chat tonight, Jim. You got to go chat. That's low. One other thing, and I agree. Dr. Kemp, welcome. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, I'm going to mute you. Ah. Jim, one more shot. Jim, one more shot. Can you hear me? Okay, Jim is going to the chat room. Coach Robbins, how you doing? Can you hear me? I, I sure can. Thanks, oh, to, thanks Coach, to Marlo. We've, we've, uh, we've had trouble getting through, but uh, my son-in-law's here, and, and uh, it's a little above my pay scale, but we, we're hearing you <laughs> loud and clear. Well, I told him, I said, Coach Robbins is brilliant. He knows how to draw up the play. He's going to find a way to make it work. <laughs> well, I had to, I, like coaching, I depended on somebody else to do it. <laughs> All right, Coach, I'll mute you. I'll let you in. And uh, we'll be ready to go in just a few minutes, okay? Right. You know? All right, Coach. I, I started right. to say I understand. I'm not gonna. You're not gonna really come to me until about uh, 8:30. Is that right? That's correct. And our institution, everything. We'll go about okay. 30 minutes. All right. That, that's fine. I'm. I'm just gonna listen to the show up until that point. Okay, and I mute you, and then I'll, I'll unmute you when I bring you in. I That'll won't be fine. I won't fumble the pass, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Coach. Thanks a lot. All righty.
10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Good evening and welcome to Dr. Cliff Burton Friends featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. This evening, we have a special show for you and we're getting started a little early. I want to open up the mic for my co-host in studio tonight, none other than Dr. Marlo Kemp. I'm going to introduce her shortly. And my other co-host, Jim, will be joining us from the chat room with questions and comments. And in about 30 minutes from now, we'll be introducing our special guest of the night, none other than legendary coach, Dave Robbins. So Dr. Kemp, I'm going to unmute you. Say hello to everybody. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the All right. All righty. Welcome. We already have Welcome. 12 guests listening in the studio there. Okay. Now, we want to start off like we normally do to remember uh, some of the greats who we've lost, whether it's athletics or not. And <clears throat> over the last three years, of course, last week was Tina Turner. But there's three names, Fred White, Andrew Wolfolk, and Sheldon Reynolds. Sheldon Reynolds, we just lost about two weeks ago. These three members, White, a drummer, Wolfolk, a saxophone player, and Sheldon Reynolds, a guitar playing singer, all three sang in the group Earth, Wind, and Fire for a very long time. They weren't the original members, but they sang a very long time. In fact, Fred White is the brother of Maurice White and Verdine, the, the bass player. So we want to first give him a clap. And Marlo, just give me a, a thought as to what you think about these three people and that world-renowned group, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Let me give him a clap. All right, now. And anybody can put in the comment in the chat if you want. Jeff, welcome to the show. Earth Wind and Fire. Marlo, your thoughts. Oh wow. I mean, what what a loss. What a great loss. Three great um wonderful members and musicians, shall I say, um, belonging to a legendary group. I just remember those songs. I just I remember growing up on their songs, and it's to this day. When you hear one of their songs, you know, the only thing that you can just say is, whoa, you know, wow, or, or hum, sing, you know, all the words to their songs. Um, they were definitely, definitely um, <coughs> wonderful musicians that contributed um, to, you know, just all types of, of music. And um, especially, what can I say, Fred White, of course, out of Chicago, once again, um a great musician and i mean i i just i'm really grateful for everything that they have contributed and given us um yeah. while here on earth absolutely and jeff we also have in the studio tonight jeff welcome to the show what do you think jeff of the influence of earth wind and fire and we lost three of their long-term members not original members recently but the group earth wind and fire Jeff. I didn't stop for you to see what your life can truly be. I love it. I love it. The greatest band of all time. Come on now. 
no question about it. It's such a sad loss, but their memories will last forever. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Three I of the original members are still with the group. Of course, Philip Bailey, uh, Verdine, the guitar, and I can't remember the third one. But they lost three members, one on the horn, one on the drum, and Sheldon, the latest one we lost, on the guitar. So we want to honor them. Now, we always usually start with our women's stories, and we're going to get there. But Marlo, if your ladies give us permission, this morning we lost a great track and field legend, okay? His name was Jim Hines. Jim Hines died. He was 76 years old. Now, let me give you some history. He was the first runner, sprinter, to break the 10-second mark and the 100 meters, and that record stood for about 15 years. And we lost him this morning. So, one, we want to give him a hand clap. And then, uh, Marlo, I'm going to come to you. And then, Jim, I'm going to give you a try so you can come in loud enough. Marlo? You said Jim Henson? Jim Hines. Jim Hines. Wow. Um, just sorry to hear that. Our prayers um, go out to his family as well as all the, the track and field members um, who knew him, who ran with him. Um, just legendary. So mm -hmm. thank you for bringing that up and bringing that to our attention because I def definitely didn't hear about that great loss. Just passed this morning. Jim? I'm going to see if we can hear you. If not, I'm going to ask the paper in the chat. Jim, what do you think? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. All right. Bro. Okay. Yeah. I'm using my mother's phone. I no, remember no. him running in the Olympics, and he was a great runner. And it's a shame died too young. Yeah. Yeah. Broke 10 second marks. Seems like it's common today. But uh, in 1968 is when he set that mark at the, at the championship game. So, uh, and that was the meters. Yeah. Jeff, what do you think about that? Listen, anybody going back in that time uh, who started before my era, our era, you know, dealing with oppression and stuff that was going on, you got to give them all the credit in the world. They were trendsetters. They were leaders. You know, that's a, a, what follows what follows them are some of the greats that we see today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one more time, Mr. Jim Hines. Absolutely. Now. Every month, we have our Woman of the Month. And boy, do we have one for you. Miss Aura Bell Washington, 1899. They think, or 1898, she was born in Caroline County, Virginia. And she passed December 21, 1971. In her early life, Washington and her family, James Thomas Washington and Lori Young, uh, were working in Virginia, Caroline County, right after the American Civil War. She was the fifth of nine children. Now I'm gonna they were sharecroppers, and as you know, many people migrated to the north. We're gonna get a lot more into detail next week. But athletically, let's, let's turn it up a second. Mrs. Washington went to live with her mother, and in 1918, excuse me, in a Germantown neighborhood, she uh, excelled. She began to pick up a tennis racket. And between 19 and about 1924, she went on with a tennis racket to win the Wilmington Delaware City Championships in singles, doubles, and mixed doubles. The following year, 
she defeated the reigning national African-American singles champion, Isadora Channels. She won her first national title in 1925 in tennis with Lula Ballard at the National Doubles Tournament of the All-Black American Tennis Association. Now, she moved to Chicago in 1929, and she won her first singles championship the same year when she defeated Frances Giddens in three sets. We have a lot more, including she played doubles and defeated Althea Gibson, another tennis legend. This lady was the first championship tennis player. Now, they called her the queen of the courts. Not only did she dominate in tennis, but in basketball, she would go on to set such great heights in basketball that she was eventually inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in 2009. And um, on March 31, 2018, it was announced that she was being inducted as part of the Basketball Hall of Fame class of 2018. This is a phenomenal story of a phenomenal woman that we don't talk about much, but we sure will here on Cliff Burton Friends. Marlo, what do you think of the Queen of the Court? Uh, I, I thank you, uh, Dr. Bird, for bringing her to the forefront because she is the first woman that we have actually talked about that was born in the 1800s. Mm. Uh, and, and just to carry on such a phenomenon to, you know, those that have come behind her, she definitely set a trend and set the bar extremely high. Um, it is an honor to just to recognize her and to you know know about her um, because this is the first time that I'm actually hearing about Miss Aura Bell Washington, a phenomenal. Queen of the course. Jim? The Queen of the course. Jim? Yes. Yeah, what do you think about her? You know, another lady who came from improbable eyes to do great things. I think, you know, she, it shows that she stuck to her guns and did what she needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff? You know, I haven't researched her, but I, I wonder how she would match up to today's greats <laughs> and have all the support that these athletes have today. Absolutely. I believe she would shine in big ways. Yeah. Big ways. One thing they say, Jeff, on her uh, tennis, she gripped the racket halfway up the racket. She didn't grip it like uh, the players today on the handle. Wow. She gripped it halfway in between. So she was beating you with a half a racket. <laughs> and, you know, and you know, those rackets back in that time were wooden. Yeah, wooden. <laughs> hey, she, we're going to have her all month, all month members. Go ahead, Marlo. I was going to say, she even introduced pickleball early on. We didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're going to be highlighting her all month long. And just a trailblazer, listen, in tennis and in basketball. Miss Aura Washington, queen of courts. All right now. Yes, sir. 
Now, the Women's College World Series, they're playing right now. And they're down to the final four. Uh, yesterday, Stanford beat Washington and Tennessee beat Oklahoma State. So the final four, and I know some people played today, Oklahoma plays Stanford, Florida State will play Tennessee. Now, this is all double elimination, so two of those teams, if they lose a second time, are out, and uh, the other teams still have two games to lose. I know Oklahoma is undefeated. I do know that. So that's where it all stands right now, and I'm going to make sure I review this and come back again next week, but this thing is quite a tournament. Also, there's a freshman of the year. She's a pitcher. She pitches or pitch for Stanford. And boy, uh, Miss Nigri Kennedy, that freshman yesterday pitched a one-hitter against the University of Washington. And I don't know, Jim, if you've seen her, or Marlo, if you've seen her, but she is quite a pitcher. She's putting on a show. Uh, freshman of the year in women's softball. Uh, Jim, have you seen her at all? I saw her today. Yeah. Against uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. She so there's still a lot. Okay. So I believe they lost to Oklahoma, so I believe they are they're not. Out. Okay, they're out of it. Okay. But, but she, she can is that a ball. phenomenal pitcher. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Dr. Kemp, have you seen her? I have. I've seen her in the past <laughs> couple of games, and boy, she was bringing the heat to them. <laughs> <laughs> She was giving it to him. It, it, it made it very exciting. Yes, this is a phenomenal tournament. It's a phenomenal tournament. And uh, as we have said on previous shows, the women's softball is the highest rated viewing sport in the spring, higher than the men's uh, hardball tournament mm. that runs parallel in Division One. So, mm. yeah, for the last few years. So um, let's keep going, ladies. Let's keep going, ladies. Let's give it up. Division One. Softball, getting down to the World Series, getting down to the World Series, getting down to the World Series. <laughs> All right. Where in six... Oklahoma, my Oklahoma team is still in it. Mm. <laughs> Come on, okay. Oklahoma. They won four and three right. today in eight innings. All righty. All righty. All right. We're about six games in to the WNBA season. And uh, we have some <clears throat> pretty good, pretty good scores from yesterday. Let's talk about standings, and then we'll talk about scores. Okay, so standings by conference in the Western Conference, no, the Eastern Conference. You have the Connecticut Sun in front; they're six and one. The New York Liberty, which was supposed to be the leading powerhouse team in the East, are four and two even though they lost to the Chicago Sky yesterday and blew a 15-point lead. In third place, Chicago Sky, 4-3. and three. The Washington Mystics, 3-3. Three and three. Atlanta Dream, 2-3. and three. And Indiana Fever with Aaliyah Boston, a 1-4. However, even though they lost to the Las Vegas Ace undefeated, they were ahead by two going into the fourth quarter of that game yesterday, and they lost. Now let's go to the Western Conference. Las Vegas Ace. Aces, 6-0. Los Angeles Sparks, 3-2. The Dallas Wings are 3-3. Seattle Storm, 
no, excuse me, Phoenix Mercury, one and three. Seattle Storm, they missing Sue Bird, 0 oh and four. And Minnesota Lynx are missing Sylvia Fowles, one and six. So they're in rebuilding years, that's for sure. Let's go quickly. We'll go quickly to our uh, statistics, statistical leaders. Offensive leaders, Jewel Lloyd is leading the league at 28.8 points a game. Beyond Stewart, 23.7. So two Sable, Dallas, 22.2. Uh, what and Brittany Griner, that average has gone up to 22 points. Jackie Wan, Young from Las Vegas is 21.8 points per game. We'll go over a lot more stats next week and we'll get a lot more in detail. Uh, but let's give it up. WNBA, we're off to an exciting, exciting start. Yeah. yeah. Jeff. Are you watching any? Are you hearing about any of this uh, WNBA ball? What do you think? You know what? I just wish they'd get their money. Mm. That's, that's my biggest thing, man. You got to pay the players. If they're shining like they are now and they're underpaid and the salaries don't uh, coincide with what the men are making, of course, they're not going to make the big dollars, but pay them what they're worth because they're shining right now. They are shining. Yes, they are. Dr. Kemp? And your thoughts they, on that yeah and I, I agree with you jeff and they're uh they you know seems to have a full house when you're watching the game and you look look in the stands um so people are definitely supporting them and going out you know just to see their games because they're very exciting when they play as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well <clears throat> we're going to keep cheering them on we're going to keep cheering them on we got a long way to go 44 games this year in the season uh they've gone up I think Jim, is that right? From 36 regular season to 44. So we have a long way to go. Yes. Long way to go. Now, before we go to break, the French Open, we're into the quarterfinals. We're going to talk about the women tonight. And the reason we are is because after the first week, there are no men from the United States <laughs> left in the tournament. They are all out. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately. But tough year. Tough year. Yes, sir. But in the women, Coco Golf in the quarterfinals will have a rematch uh, in the French Open against Swiatek, the number one player in the world. I believe that's tomorrow. And uh, she played a tough last year in the French Open finals. But, hey, Coco's a year more mature, and we are definitely pulling for her to pull that upset. Uh, we have a few other women left. Uh, well, Sloane Stevens got beat. But we have a few other women left, and we'll keep up with it. But right now, we're going to keep our eyes on Coco Golf. Uh, Jim, what are your thoughts on Coco? This is the third, I believe, third year in a row she's made it to the quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. So I think the clay court is her is her court. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm happy that she's still in and keep on keeping on. Yeah, she's number six ranked singles in the world. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on young Coco? going to be a tough match but she's going to break through eventually mm -hmm. she's going to break through eventually you you know you don't with that much talent you don't get worse <laughs> you get better <laughs> she's going to break through marlo yeah she's looking good this year she's um, really looking good so um i'm happy for her we're just going to keep rooting rooting for her and um you know hopefully she'll bring out bring home the victory all righty. We'll have everybody, the doubles, the men's, everybody for you next week. We want to welcome 
William Burton, attorney William Burton, soon to be judge William Burton to the show. All right, before we go to here we are commercial, Pamela Bernay, qualifying broker, founder, CEO, 2870 Peachtree Road, Suite 992, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Pamela at pbrenayestates.com, 404-964-4295. If you're looking in the Atlanta area, residential, commercial, land, builder, developer, investor services, she is your go-to company. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's athletics and HBCU sports. All right, Jim, give us the men's. Jim? Well, in um, baseball, the uh, FAMU Rattlers were named the uh, HBCU Team of the Year National Champion. They went through the uh, SWAC as, I believe, a third seed in the East, beat Alabama State twice, and beat their rival, Bethune-Cookman, 9-6 to in the championship game. They went on to the Florida region this weekend where they lost to University of Florida by two, and I believe UConn by four. So they were both close games. So they are our national champion in baseball. Okay. Now, in terms of the Celebration Bowl is going to be on ABC now. I believe it was on um, NBC last year, but I think ABC and the uh, ESPN networks will probably do a better job of promoting it, and that's going to be good for them. When, when is now, that the NBA update. Do you know when the Celebration the, Bowl will be held? It usually is held... Sometime in December with the regular bowls, early December. Okay, got it. Thank you. Now, looking at Monty Williams, because that's in Detroit. <laughs> Monty Williams turned down the uh, Pistons originally when I think they were only offering maybe five to seven million. But they upped their offer to 13 million, and he has tentatively accepted that job, which they have some nice young talent, and, you know, he had a ringing endorsement from Devin Booker about how he absolutely looks you in the eye. And when he tells you something, he means it. He's a no-nonsense guy. And I think with Jay Nivey and Kay Cunningham, if he can get them to the level of close to Devin Booker, the Pistons would be in for something. He also named today Steven Silas, the former coach of the Houston Rockets, and son of Paul Silas, his uh, lead assistant which I think is another young coach that's going to do wonders with that team. In NFL news, I was reading an article today about the, uh, you know, that we've had some suspensions mm -hmm. for gambling. 
And a couple of them on the uh, Detroit Lions were for gambling on a non-NFL sport inside the confines of their practice facility. And I was reading an article in in The Athletic that said a lot of players don't know that you can't gamble on another sport inside your workplace. So this is going to be an interesting situation to see what happens with that. Oh, and in terms of the NBA, 1-1, Denver won the first game by 11, and Miami didn't shoot that well. So this this game, they shot almost 50% from three, and Miami won the game 111-108 as Jamal Murray missed a three-pointer as time expired. I don't think a lot of people were giving the Heat any chance of winning. They're going home 1-1. You know they can win if they win their next two home games. They'll go back to uh, Denver at three to one. So watch the Heat. They play as a team. They don't quit, and they come to play every night. That's the kudos to Eric Spoelstra, who may may be the best coach in the NBA. Yes, sir. Yes, Get more out of more out of left. But he has seven undrafted players on his roster and at least four of them are playing a major role in this championship series and they're without tyler hero and uh, victor oladipo both got hurt in the playoffs so he's doing a yeoman's job now, you never hear much of him being coach of the year mm-hmm. but you know he's doing a great job with what he has jim is there any chance that tyler hero will play at all in this series, or no? Well, he was he was um, game time decision on game two. Game three, I was supposed to be the same, but you got to look at it this way, Cliff. Without Tyler Hero, that ball is moving around a lot more, mm-hmm. and they're getting more people involved. So it might not be a bad thing if he doesn't play for a little bit, but we'll see. I hate that for him, but their ball movement has come a lot better without Tyler Hero. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the point guard who let him in scoring last night? I, I never paid attention to him till now. What was his, what's Gabe his Vincent? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Struess, um, Highsmith, mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson. Mm-hmm. All these guys are playing major minutes and making major contributions to the heat and you know kevin love is off the scrap heat they got him from cleveland where he wasn't just started, playing at all they just started playing him last night is that right jim he didn't play the first games in the other play, series he played some in the other series but you know he didn't play in the first game but he started the second game and came on strong mm-hmm. all right uh let's talk about denver where do you put the Joker, I get his name, he can play. Where do you put him uh, ready when you start talking about the greats as far as the center, forward? I don't know what you want to call him. And I'll, I'll ask Jeff to unmike a little bit, and uh, we may even come back to coach once he gets on later on. And Jim, where do you put Djokovic? I mean, he's a 
skillful player. I mean, what, what do you put? What do you put? Yeah, I, I, he's ta- he's crazy talented, but I want to give him some more time before I start. Mm-hmm. You know, placing him in history. Let's give him some more time. I mean, when when you talk about the greats, all of the greats are put in years. I mean, major years. Yeah, so yeah. you have a lot to work with. So let's give him some more time. But right now, to me, he's got he's got the whole package, man. Yeah. He's got that whole package. He's one of those players that you look at like you were going to play a game at LA Fitness. Mm. And you say, this guy can't play. And then he comes out there and beats you. <laughs> with not only his not I only just, his shooting, his passing, his uh just leadership qualities, rebounding. In his first in his first uh NBA finals game, he had a triple double. Mm. The only other person to do that was Jason Kidd. Mm. Now last night Miami threw some zones and he mm. got about forty one, but Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr. and KCP did not have their usual game. Since forth, they lost by three. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a chess match because Michael Malone, whose father, Brendan Malone, was an uh, NBA lifer coach, coach with, was an assistant coach on the championship Piston teams. Uh, you know, Michael has been around the game all his life. And I think he's going to make some adjustments for game three to put Denver back to where they should be. Mm-hmm. Does it go seven, Jim? You think it goes seven or six? Originally, I had it picked for Denver in six. But the way Miami's playing, I'm not putting anything past them. I think it'll probably go seven games. Jeff? Yeah, I, I usually pick seven games because of the NBA needing, needing the money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm going seven games, Miami. Well, okay, we're going to remember this question, and once we uh, get through interviewing the great things of Coach Robbins, we're going to see who he agrees with later on. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. I didn't hear your prediction. For mine? Seven. Seven. I'm sorry. Seven. Seven, for sure. Seven for who? Uh, Denver. Denver. Okay. All right. <laughs> I want to be right in a few weeks, but you caught me there. So. <laughs> me Alrighty. too. I didn't want to give my, my picks to Jinx Miami, but you know. <laughs> well, Jim, Jim, great job. Uh, we're going to take a minute break, and then we're going to come back. And, Jim, we're going to let you lead us off. Um, I'll introduce, and then we'll let you lead us off, okay, as we originally planned in our interview. And uh, before we go, we just want you to remember – for the love, CEO Sheila Townsend is running a camp down in Boca Raton many days this summer. We'll be introducing all those dates again on next week's show, how you can get in touch with the camp. She's the daughter of mother tennis pro Taylor Townsend, and she also had another daughter, who played um, tennis on a college scholarship. She's a player as well. She's a dynamic influence on the game of tennis. For this love, CEO Sheila Townsend holding tennis camp in Boca Raton, Florida. We'll be back in about one minute.
righty. Welcome back. Welcome back. Dr. Cliff Burton Friend, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's athletics and the HBCU sports. And tonight, we have a treat for you. David Robbins, born September 10th, 1942, retired American basketball coach. He's best known for coaching the Virginia Union Panthers of the CIAA. They're an NCAA two power where he won 713 games, three NCAA Division II men's basketball titles, and out of all the coaches who have won more than 700 games in any division, this includes Adolph, this includes Dean Smith, Steve Moore, Roy Williams, Bill South, Mike Krzyzewski, John Calipari, and Bo Ryan. In his career, Dave Robbins has won 0.786 or 78.6% of his games during a 30-year career at Virginia Union. During his 30-year career, not only the teams amassed those tremendous records, the national championships were won in three different decades, 1980, 1992, and 2014. The teams won 13 or 14 CIAA championships and garnered 21 NCAA tournament appearances. Do his time, time at Virginia Union. Coach Dave Robinson, four Division II Players of the Year, eight consensus first-team All-Americans, and five NBA players, Charles Oakley, Terry Davis, A.J. English, Jamie Waller, and Hall of Famer Ben Wallace. And by the way, Ben Wallace is the only player to make the Hall of Fame that was not drafted. Please, please, please join me in welcoming to Cliff Burton's friends none other than Coach Dave Robbins, legendary coach Dave Robbins. Coach, how hey. you doing? Are you there? Yeah, Cliff. I'm enjoying the show. I really am. <laughs> coach, we are thrilled and just honored to have you. Um, and, and we'll invite our guests who need to type in the chat, start typing. We'll get to you. But I do want our co-host tonight, uh, Dr. Kemp, Jeff Butts, and then, of course, my uh, chairman inspiration, Jim, will be leading this um, interview. So just go to the mic and say hello. And we'll and coach. But again, welcome to the show. Marlo, let you go first, then Jeff, and then Jim. Coach, welcome. So happy that you made it through. We're happy to have you here. <laughs> thank, thank you, Marlo. If it hadn't been for you, I, I still wouldn't be talking. I'm old and, and uh this is above my pay scale, but between you and my daughter and my son-in-law and my wife, we, we got through. So happy to have you. Well, thank you. And I really enjoyed talking to you over the last few days. Jeff? Coach, thanks for being here this evening. It's such a pleasure to have you on board. Listening to your rundown of your history, it's good to be in the, in the presence of greatness. That's real. That's true greatness. <laughs> well, Jeff, that's awful kind of you, but, uh, you know, uh, those five NBA players and we had other national players of the year that didn't, you know, they played overseas, but, you know, any coach is only as good as his players. And I was just so blessed to get the type players we got that would come to a small, uh, church school. And, you know, we weren't supposed to beat those big state schools, but, uh, <laughs> You know, we had some great, great players and, and uh, 
you know, they had great players before I was there and are, are still to this day uh, attracting a lot of uh, off good players. Wonderful, wonderful. And humble, too. Mm-hmm. Jim, Coach, I wanted to ask you a quick question. This is James Wardell. Did you, you know, did you recognize the greatness in Ben Wallace? I know um, Charles Oakley brought him to the school from well, Whitehall, me, Alabama. I'm just wondering, did you realize that he would be a Hall of Famer? No, <laughs> I don't think you ever know uh, something like that, Jim. But uh, a, a quick story, if you've got a minute. Um, Charles was our first great, great player. and. You know, I was constantly asking Charles, Charles, find me a big guy. Find me a big man. I need another you, you know, and he never recommended anybody. And Ben went to his camp. Charles gave a Charles grew up in Alabama before he moved to Cleveland after he lost his dad. And um, I think he moved to Cleveland when he was 12 or 13, but he was an Alabama kid. And he would go back every year and give a camp. And so finally, I got a phone call from Charles. And he said, uh, Coach, I think I got you a player. And he was talking about Ben. And uh, I said, well, is he a big man? And he said, well, he's not real big, but he sure is a man. Mm. So that's how we first heard about uh, uh, Ben. And uh, he, he actually... Uh, you know, so many of those kids aren't taught well, and he didn't make high enough on his SAT, and he's a smart young man. He's really smart, but he didn't do well on his SAT, so he went to Cuyahoga Community College in Cleveland with Charles's help, and then he came to us the last two years and was a great player for us, but you never know, you know, when someone's going to be a Hall of Famer. That's just... uh a lot of hard work and, and, uh, you know, I just, uh, can't say enough about Ben and, 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 uh, what a great person he is. Now with a lot of your other players, how did you, did you have a recruiting base, like an area that you got a lot of your players and you just relied on, Come on, come on, anybody that can play. <laughs> well, we, re- we, re- we recruited the East Coast, but we got more good players probably out of Cleveland um, than any other city. And we and we recruited the best out of Richmond. You know, we were right here, and Virginia Commonwealth University is here, and the University of Richmond, and and – you know, before I went to Virginia Union, I think they didn't really battle maybe as hard, but I just sort of felt like that, you know, we had as much or more to offer to a young man than than the Division Ones did. And so, you know, we recruited them hard and, and we got a lot of good players out of out of Richmond. Coach, I'm going to ask a question uh, while Jim is muted there. I heard you in your Hall of Fame expect, uh, acceptance speech, I think a small college Hall of Fame, talk about a coach that 
few people know. For some reason, Division II NAIA, people don't understand the great coaching, such as yourself. But also the coach, David Lipscomb, Don Meyer, and, and, and how he may have influenced what you learn, as well as talk about when you join the CIAA and learning from Coach Big House Dave. Well, you know, Big House was a man, and, uh, you know, he had Earl Monroe, and I went to a small school, uh, Catawba College, which was only about 30 or 40 miles from Winston-Salem State, and I had, I mean, I thought when when uh, Earl was playing that, you know, they were they were just like Duke and Carolina and, and those schools. And, and, uh, they actually were a D two school, just like we were, uh, we played in different conferences. So I never got a chance to play against Winston Salem, uh, you know, when I was in college, but, uh, you know, big house was just a, a legend. He was mm-hmm. just a legend and a fine, fine gentleman. And just, uh, you know, he, he would, he was a good, hard worker. Uh, he was an honest man, but he would beat your brains out on the floor. So, so, uh, uh, you know, uh, actually, um, I was blessed to get asked to go to China two different times. Once Larry Brown was the head coach and, uh, actually at the last minute he had to have an operation and Don Donaher from Dayton, uh, took his spot. But then Big House was the head coach one year, and he I was honored that he asked me to go with him uh, to Taiwan, and we played in the Jones Cup there and won the gold medal. And we the two years that I went, I was an assistant, and, and we won it. But Big House was just, you know, everything you've heard about him was true. Because <laughs> y'all had quite a rivalry with you now. Huh? <laughs> oh yeah. I read, some. I read some, coach. I read some. Great, great, great. All right. Coach, I wanted to ask you how many championships were you able to win? And the next part of that would be: Do you ever do you have a favorite team that did not win a championship but was just a great overall team to coach? <laughs> yes, Charles Oakley's senior year, we were the number one ranked team in the nation all year long. And um, uh, that famous gentleman, Big House Gaines, we met them in the NCAA regionals. And, you know, if you weren't a D2 school, you would never see a Duke in Carolina uh, meet in a regional finals. Uh, you know, they spread you all over the country, but we had to beat each other to even get to go to the elite eight. Um, but anyway, we were 31 and one and we were beaten by coach Gaines. Uh, excuse me. We ended up 31 and one, but, but we were beaten on a half court shot at, at, with three seconds left. Uh, and that was, that was probably the best team I ever coached, but we did not advance. And, uh, and then probably my favorite team was the, uh, 2005 national championship team that we had no superstars. We just had five guys that played well together and, um, 
you know, they shocked me. I mean, you know, I, I think I took one suit to the <laughs> the elite the elite eight, and I had to wear it three four nights in a row because I thought we'd come home the first. We were playing a school with nineteen thousand <laughs> students, and we had eight hundred on campus. So, so I, I didn't. I told my wife, "No reason for you to come. We'll be home tomorrow." <laughs> and uh, but that team really surprised me, and and uh, they were they were national champions. Well, coach, I'm sure you accessorized and made that one suit work five times. <laughs> coach, coach, I I'm just want to I just want to comment on that. Uh, 2005 team. This is this is Dr. Bird. I was a resident at MCV in '97 to 2002, and then stayed in Richmond another 10 years. Uh, I actually saw that team play with Darius Hargrove, front yeah. and Coach. Uh, I never saw your other team, Van Charles, but that was my introduction to Virginia Union basketball. And um, the way your teams played together. It was very clear, Coach. I think, and, and, and Coach is being modest. He won three CIAA titles in a row, championships with that team. Am I right, Coach? I think that's right. I think yeah, that's right. He won the championships in a row with that third team that didn't have any NBA players. But you're right. They played together. Coach, I always had one question. I've seen zones before. I was a former Division Three player. But your zone, uh, Coach Cheney at Temple and Jimmy Bohan, what is it that makes you three guys zones just you can't penetrate it the weak side out? I mean, you know I'm telling the truth. I know a little bit about this game, and I've watched yeah. the game there. Tell us it, a little about those coach. Well, uh, you're exactly right. Um, we were playing Coppin State, and we had been fooling around with this what we called a it was a funny zone, but we it was a what we called a it was circle. But we had different rules, and we changed. We would go from man to zone on a certain number of passes, or we would go from zone to man on a certain number of passes. And it puzzled a lot of people. And and sometimes, you know, the other coach would be taking a timeout, fussing at his team and saying they're in a zone where we went a, we went a man. And usually when he took a timeout, we would switch, you know. <laughs> But we were playing at Coppin State, Oakley's sophomore year or junior year, and we were down about six points with maybe four minutes to go. And and they were, uh, you know, they were bigger than us. They were Division One school or going Division One, and so I did. We took a timeout. I said, you know, that defense we've been fooling with in practice. Why don't we try? You know, we were up at Coppin State, and I think we outscored them twelve nothing, wow. and won one by six. And then we we ran that from then on. We ran that circle, and it was good to us. In fact, Lefty Giselle was at um, really? uh, gosh, I can't remember. Uh, it what it was after he left Maryland. Uh, I'm I'm having trouble remembering where he was. James Madison, I, I, I thank you. I couldn't think of that, but I used to beg Lefty. I said, Lefty, why don't we play? And he said, No, you run that old funny zone. So you, you make people look bad. <laughs> and uh, you know, when you mentioned Darius Hargrove, uh, that team 
and, and I'm bragging a little bit on them, nothing we did, but we beat VCU at VCU two years in a row when Jeff Capel was there, and he actually ended up beating Duke uh, yeah. in the NCAA, and uh, they got the Texas job, you know, or, excuse me, the Oklahoma job. He got the Oklahoma job. So, uh, you know, our kids could play, and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, that, that zone helped us win a lot of games. Yeah. Coach, I was actually going to that a game or the, called the scrimmage, I guess, at the beginning of the season when you all – the first year you beat Cable over VCU. And I remember the next day Cable said, they're Division two, but they have Division One players over there. I remember that. <laughs> Actually, you're right. It's an exhibition. You know, we played them. We, we didn't play them in a regular season. We played them in an exhibition game Jeff's last two years, and we were lucky enough to to, to beat them both of those years. I think it was uh, 05 and 06. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, but he's an outstanding person, outstanding coach. His dad was a great coach. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but uh, – you know, I'm, I'm proud of our zone. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I say, a lot of times we were in something that you didn't think we were in. And that, 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 uh, I guess puzzled a lot of people. Yes, it did. Coach, we're going to take a minute. We're coming right back. Coach Dave Robbins, Hall of Fame coach. We're coming right back, coach, after the break. Great. Thank you. All right. featuring the absolute very best in women's athletics and HBCU sports. We have with us here tonight, none other than legendary coach Dave Robbins. Coach, I'm going to ask you a question, and then Jim, Jeff, Marlo will go around the hall again. I do want you to comment on Coach Don Meyer. A lot of people don't mention him. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, so I knew about him and his influence that he's had on the game. And uh, tell me a little bit about your relationship or what you learned from Coach Meyer, Don Meyer? You know, I, I, I told you earlier I'm getting old, but I don't know that uh, – I know who he is, but I don't know that we really knew each other. Uh, so I, I'm sort of lost for words there. I know he was a great coach, but uh, I don't I don't think we crossed paths. Well, the reason I brought up Coach – Thank you. Is because when I watch your Virginia Union teams, your your fundamentals, okay, it goes back to the basics. Your fundamentals to me set you apart. And everybody was had the double who's played against you. And I know Mike Martin as well, who played for you. I know him personally. Your fundamentals set you apart. And Don Meyer, who was at David Lipscomb, also 
drilled the fundamentals and, and even Coach Pat Summit, when she started coaching, said that Don Meyer taught her how to teach the game. So tell us what separates your ability to take players and get them to believe, not just teach it, but believe in the fundamentals are going to carry you when nothing else will. Coach, I'm going to ask you, Charles Oakley is not a two feet above the rim jumper. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, he's trying yeah. to run rebounds. Am I right? Am I right? You're, you're exactly right. Jaws wasn't a high, a high riser, but uh, was you know great player, great rebounder, and and uh, uh, but but as far as fundamentals, see, so many high school coaches will allow a kid that is talented just to play on talent alone, mm-hmm. and they don't really coach them. And you know, we we would start first day layup lines, and and you know, I'm one that would stop practice if somebody, you know, we had a rule: you always use the glass unless you're dunking the ball. You know, don't finger roll it, don't try to roll it over the front of the rim. Use the glass. And there, you know, we would do uh, shooting drills, and we had a drill that everybody had an effective shooting range and i and i know you've heard this before kids you know why did why did the fourth or fifth best shooter on the team take the last shot and he said because i was open (laughs) i reckon the hell you were open because you can't shoot and and uh but a an effective shooting range we would start a kid a young man under the basket and if he made it he could back up a step and if he made that one he could back up another step and but if he missed one he had to come in two steps mm-hmm. and i don't care if you shoot 10 shots or 100 shots it'll tell you where your effective shooting range is mm-hmm. so everybody had a green light in their effective shooting range but outside their effective shooting range, they weren't allowed to shoot it, you know. And, and you know, it was not but one ball, and everybody that we would recruit was usually a star on their high school team, and we had to convince them that, you know, it was, it was a team game, and we didn't care who, you know, who was high score, uh, you know, but, but that, that effective shooting range worked work for us and you know being able to jump stop and and um you know most fouls come you know kids that get in foul trouble by trying to block shots and you know so we would try to make them jump high and if they were going to block it block it up top but not reach in and foul the guy you know so uh, so many games are lost by somebody trying to block a shot and a lot of times they block it but the official sees it a different way and it's a foul call. So fundamentals is, is, you know, I, I think why most teams uh, at any level are successful. Jeff. Yeah. I, I hear you um, talking about the fundamentals. I have a question about the coaches. So for one second, can you coach the coach? What is your what is your best advice for up and coming coaches and how they approach things in particular recruiting? Well, uh, for instance, being honest, um, you know, I, I took pride in 
talking to mothers and, and dads and, and, you know, I would ask question, uh, you know, uh, my, if my son comes to you, will he play right away? And, and I would say, well, if he works hard and he's one of the better players, we're going to play our top seven or eight players most of the time. And, uh, then I would get asked, well, if he's a senior, will he start? Well, no, I can't promise that. And, and I had a rule I would talk to, I talked to any parent about anything other than playing time. You mm. know, I didn't talk about playing time. You had to earn that. And I didn't believe in giving token time. Mm. Um, Terry Davis was a great player for us. 11 year NBA player. He probably didn't play 40 minutes his freshman year because he expected to be Charles Oakley his freshman year. Charles had just left. And, you know, he just thought he was a lot better than he was. And I didn't think he was that good. I thought he needed to work a little harder and gain some weight and, mm. you know, be stronger. And, uh, but being honest with recruits and, and you, you know, you, you can't fool a kid. A young man can look in your eyes and tell if you're being true and honest. And like when I signed Charles Oakley, it was what I didn't offer him that made his mom say, that's where I want you to go to school. Hmm. And, uh, you know, he had been offered, I hate to say it, but he had been offered apartments and cars and TVs. And, and uh, you know, his mom said, I'm not asking for anything, but what's Charles going to get? And I said, he's going to get a, a, a good education. I said, he's going to have to stand in long lines like everybody else does. He won't be treated any better than any other student. And, uh, I said, but he can go to a large school, uh, a big D one school. They'll do a lot of, maybe do most everything for him, but will he be able to do anything for himself when he leaves? I said, he'll be a grown man and he'll be able to handle his affairs when he leaves Virginia union. And, and she chose us to help Charles pick us, uh, because what we didn't offer him, uh, as much as, you know, what we told him, uh, if he came and worked hard, he had a chance to maybe play, uh, at a higher level. Mm. Dr. Kemp. Coach, uh, my questions are outside of Virginia union. Uh, do you have a favorite team and do you get a chance to attend any of the games anymore? or any sports? Let me see, let me, let me, let me unmute Coach. Ah, okay, hold on, let me unmute him. Wait, hold on, I don't know why he's muted. Okay, Dr. Kemp. I apologize. Are you still there, Marlo? Now, there you go, Coach. You're back with us. You're back with us. Ask the question again, Marlo. I, I, I apologize. My brother was calling me, and I had no idea it would ring. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it just did. But I, I, go to, I, I went to most all the Virginia Union games, uh, and I would go to the CIAA tournament every year. Uh, but you know, I don't really have, uh, 
I, you know, I grew up in Carolina and I loved the University of North Carolina and Dean Smith. I thought he was one of the top coaches or maybe the tops in the country for a long time. And I tried to emulate him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just love watching sports, uh, all, you know, all sports, but, uh, I don't see many games other than the union games. Coach, I'm going to ask you a question, and Jim, we'll come back to Marlon, and then we'll wrap up. But I wanted to get this in. You also are a championship, a state championship high school coach in 75, I believe. You started in 78. How do you think the new rules of this NIL transfer is doing not just to the game, but to the kids? Now, you, you know, you're from the era where kids came four years, you developed loyalty, you grew up, you waited your turn. But this this stuff with the portal transfer, what, what are your thoughts, Coach? Well, I really don't know that much about it, but I know that these kids that just jump ship, you know, let, let's, let's take a Norfolk State or a Coppin State or a Tennessee State. They got a great player, the next thing you know, they're going to Kentucky, you know, or they're going – you know, to UCLA. And and I don't like that. I just don't think, you know, I mean, maybe for the kids and, and their future, but uh, I, I think it hurts the smaller schools and the rich gets richer. And, uh, you know, in football, the Alabamas, you know, continue to get better every year. Um, so, I, I, and again, you're asking someone that's been out of the game a while, so I don't know the ins and outs about it. And I'm sure there's some good things, but uh, I, I like to see kids that go to a school and, and, and stay for four years. And, of course, the one and dons are the, you know, projected NBA players anyway. Mm. Um, and we didn't have any that were projected, you know, coming out of high school. I see. Jim, then Marlon. I'll close it up. Well, Coach, I want—I was listening to the other two talk about how your players came out and played, but I'm thinking that if you played a zone that not only confused the players, which sometimes is not hard to do, but confused other coaches, how did you get that buy-in? <laughs> All right, I, Jim, I didn't hear the last sentence. How did I get what now? Buy-in, the buy-in from the players. Oh, buy-in, oh, 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 oh. Well, they love winning. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and uh, I would brag on them that we might not be the biggest and we not might not be the strongest, but we can be the smartest. And, and, and you know, they like the idea of being a smart team. And, uh, you know, we lost some games probably from dumb coaching as much as anything. But but uh, they bought into the system, and the veterans were the teachers. You know, every year the, the guys coming back would teach the new guys, you know, what we were doing. And, and they, they did a great job, and, and, you know, kids would buy in, and, and they did like winning. And, you know, we're, we're you know, just – uh, proud of the fact that we, and, and, I mean, the CIAA is one of the toughest conferences in the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we were blessed to win as many games as we did. Mm-hmm. Dr. Kemp. So coach, when you played in 
college, high school and college uh, basketball, did you have any idea that you would become a coach and leave such a wonderful legacy? <laughs> well, uh, when I actually, I played three sports in, in college or well, high school in college. And, and I had a short stay with the Denver Broncos as a wide receiver. So most people thought I was a football player, but I was really a basketball player that just had some success as a wide receiver where we didn't have to block or tackle. We just had to run fast and catch passes. But, um, no, uh, but I, I remember my dad owned his own business and he wanted me to come in and run his business. And I said, uh, I said, dad, I want to be a coach. And he said, <laughs> he used, uh, uh, I'll say darn, but he didn't say darn. He said, <laughs> he said darn son, how you going to make a living? And I said, well, I'm a coach. And he said, you can't make any money coaching. And so, uh, you know, but there's more to life than, than just, uh, money. And, uh, you know, as I say, we've been blessed and, I I wouldn't have done it any other different. Uh, Virginia union's a fabulous school. And, uh, I, you know, I was just honored that they hired me and gave me a chance to coach at that level. With coach, you honored and been blessed with all of basketball, HBCU, Division One, Two, Three, and I know I share the sentiment of a lot of coaches, all of your players. You're so humble, Coach, but I'm not sure what you're in the small college Hall of Fame, in your Hall of Fame, CIAA Hall of Fame. I'm not sure what the Naismith Hall of Fame is waiting on, but uh, we know you belong there, Coach. And, and so from all of us, friends, Dr. Clifford and friends say it's a pleasure. Thank you. But for all adults in HBCU sports and basketball what? in general, we want to say thank you so much. Nothing but an honor, Coach. Nothing but an honor. Well, That's Cliff, th thank you. It's an honor to be on your show. And Marlo and Jim and Jeff, uh, I appreciate your great questions. All righty. Uh, well, so as, we do, as we do weekly, before we go, Anybody that wants more sports, our parent company, Mark Jones and Friends, 9 10 a.m. WFDF. You can hear them on Wednesday night, 9 to 11 Eastern Time. You have Mark, you have Jim, you have Jack, Reggie, Carl, Luther, and I stop by every now and then. Again, thank you so much, legendary coach Dave Robbins. We will see everybody back in 168 hours from now. Coach, thank you so much. We really appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Thank you. All Good right. night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. Thank you.